Okay. Well, that definitely gives us a majority. So uh, let's go ahead and call this meeting to order. Uh, Jared, could you uh, run through the rules of engagement for our virtual meetings as well as take roll call? Yes. Good afternoon. My name is Jared Allen, Administrative Technician, Lawrence Transit. Along with me here is Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. He will work alongside Mike Wazikowski to facilitate the meeting's proceedings. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, when you are not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found in the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu. In some cases, we may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. If you are participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. And now I will do roll call. Lance Fay. Here. Austin Stifler. Present. Mike Wazikowski. Sorry, I muted here. Foster Spicinger. Alan Ackland. Here. Gregory Critchlow. Bill Wilson. August Rudisell. Looks like he's here, but connecting his audio right now. Ready, get. Here. Okay, that definitely gives us a quorum. Uh, thank you everyone who is available to attend today. Really appreciate you giving your time and energy to this. Next item on the agenda is to review minutes from our meeting in June. As always, I will provide a Three opportunities for anyone to provide amendments to the minutes that were prepared for us by city staff. And if there are no further amendments offered after three calls, then the minutes will be deemed unit, uh, approved by unanimous consent. So I hope that everyone has had an opportunity to review the minutes. If not, I will give you time now as I go through three calls. First, does anyone on PTAC have any amendments to offer to the minutes from our June meeting? Second call, does anyone have any amendments to offer to the minutes from our June meeting? Last call, does anyone in PTAC online have any amendments to offer to the minutes from our June meeting? Okay, hearing none, the minutes are deemed approved by unanimous consent. So first item on our regular agenda and only item on our regular agenda is to review the uh, draft writer suspension policy 
um, following up from us tabling this conversation from our meeting in June uh, in order to provide um, city staff the opportunity to revise uh, briefly what we had drafted um, going into that meeting. So Adam, I believe you have a presentation for us or some or text document, something like that. Yeah, happy to bring that up and walk through it. Um, I will say we may have went over general public comment. I'll just share that we didn't get anything written. Oh. Don't have anyone here in the room. So just a uh, heads up on that. I Apologies, I did skip that. Um, I did not see anyone on the line who is a member of the public. Um, a little out of practice right now, a little tired at this point. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think that's deserved. That's all right. Okay, let me get this brought up. Okay, so thanks everybody for feedback last month on this uh, writer suspension policy and apologies for the way we have to attach this. I wanted to give you all a redlined version so that you could see what was changed, um, which works pretty well when we're changing text. When I add a comment, it unfortunately puts that comment at the bottom of the document. So I'll try to point out um, the couple instances that happens, but we did our best to respond to what we heard uh, so as I scroll through this, one of the first items that we brought in here was um, a, a concern that we didn't have language in here about staff training and how uh, staff will be trained on this policy. So we kept that section pretty simple, but um, but just clarified that the contracted service provider and anybody at the city um, will undergo training for this policy and uh, upon hiring, but also annually. Um, so that they're up to date, if there's any changes or just refreshed. Uh, that's pretty typical of some of our policies. And, and we generally run those through um, the uh, safety meetings that our service provider has on a monthly basis. We'll have some policy updates uh, or reminders then. So um, that is one of the areas we added. There was some discussion about uh, law enforcement involvement? Would they be present when we're issuing warnings or suspensions? So I'm not sure as we re-listened that there was uh, a direct ask for that, but that conversation did bring up, you know, the thought that we maybe wanted to be more clear on how law enforcement will be engaged. So we added to the notification and communication section that um, that the presence of, of law enforcement when we're actually delivering written suspensions is optional essentially at my discretion um i do think in some cases after uh operational staff and myself would review any incident where we think it merits someone being uh the recipient of a warning or a suspension um, in some cases i can imagine us talking through you know maybe in this case we do want law enforcement with us um i would imagine in most cases we probably wouldn't start with that. It'd probably be a, kind of an exception type case, but wanted to add that clarifying language in there. In the appeal process section, there was a, a question about would someone be allowed to continue riding the bus uh, when they are appealing a suspension? So clarified that uh, section in that riders would be allowed to continue uh, to ride the bus when they receive a warning. Um, so, it, you know, the, the two-step process that we have. Some feedback. Uh, 
the two-step process we have when someone gets a warning, we think will allow them to continue to ride the bus and unless that uh, behavior or, or um, unacceptable behavior would continue. And then if someone is receiving a suspension, um, they wouldn't be allowed to to ride the bus um, on that appeal. So that was the direction we tried to handle that. Happy to. Um, that was the direction that. we tried to handle that. Happy to. Uh, Adam, this is awesome. Address that only way to file. Uh, August, you're breaking up there. You might try again or might have to throw it in the chat. Yeah, I was just saying, is the email address the only way to chat? Yeah. Is the email address the only way to appeal? Sorry, still didn't catch it. Anybody I think else? the question was, how do you appeal? And that's the third bullet there, that you can appeal it in person or at least file to appeal in person, but you need to do it at the uh, transit office. Um, Raise the question for me, would we amend this later as a friendly amendment to include the central station when that's open, if there's going to be a permanent staffer there? Yeah, that's a good point. And we would, yeah, all of our staff, admin staff will be moving there anyways, so that address will need to be okay. amended. Yeah. Friendly amendment then. Yeah. But yeah, to, and maybe this was kind of the leading question there, but our, our internal discussion was about trying to make appeals accessible. So I think we started out with language that just said that appeals must be written. Uh, we did have some discussion about, well, you know, not maybe not everybody um, is fluent in writing or, or different language and things like that. So we wanted the uh, ability to appeal to be written. But if, if someone couldn't do that, they could do it in person uh, verbally. Um, they would just you know, we have to be in the same space. So we ask people to come to us in that scenario. I guess for me, that raised the question, what if the way that someone would get to the office to tell you in person that they want to appeal is by taking the bus that they're suspended from? But that's that seems like we're getting into an edge case there a little bit. Yeah, and we may, um, as I mentioned in uh, one of the comments through here, you know, that we'll have some learning curve if we face some certain logistics we don't expect. I think we'll do our best effort to, to meet people where they're at um, and adjust as needed. All right. Um, relatively simple but important change in Section 7. Uh, Alan had pointed out the shall language for alternative transportation. So we've adjusted uh, that to just say should. So, um, you know, we're not we're not necessarily completely in charge or have to get someone um, alternative transportation, but we'll certainly make our a good effort to try to help in that regard. Okay. Yeah, and August makes a good point there. I suppose if we're trying to connect with somebody for an appeal, we can do our best to make sure transportation is available for them. Okay, I think I'm headed towards the comments now. So um, there was one comment about, you know, in each of the suspension and the uh, the uh, warning forms, we do have a section for the person's name or something that we would refer to the person as. And there was a question, well, what if someone doesn't want to provide that? Um, you know, 
at this time, I'm not sure a way around that. We do need to identify somebody in, in some way. So I, you know, the, the comment I added here was that, you know, we may still provide that um, warning and suspension without the name field filled in. I mean, we'll have to track it in our own system through, you know, someone we identified on video. I do think um, practically in, in some of the... <clears throat> Some of the folks that we have the most challenges with right now, they're very well known to the drivers on on these certain routes. Um, I think generally our our drivers have a rapport with passengers to know them in some capacity. So I I punted on that a little bit, but left it by saying, you know, I don't know how else we uh, get around that. We'll just have to address it as as we come across it. Follow up will be very challenging if no one provides a name, we can't identify them in any way, you know, what will be a challenge. And then the last, and we can go back to any of these uh, issues, but the last one I have here, there was a question about First Amendment rights, and one of the bullet points in our warning and suspension says uh, louder intrusive use of profanity slash obscenities on the bus or in facilities. Um, so we were going to go down the path of, of talking with legal. We did look at the decorum language that exists for city commission meetings. And I put that language in here. Um, and it really does, you know, point towards disruption of the, the proceedings being the, the point where we can ask someone to leave that sort of space. So um, as we look back at our, form, you know, the reasons we'd ask for suspensions. Um, there were already a couple of bullets. I identified the second and the fourth bullet, which in our mind are sufficient um, to allow us to just remove the bullet related to profanity and obscenities to avoid any First Amendment concerns. The second and fourth bullets are uh, disorderly conduct, including threatening or harassing behavior to other passengers and or drivers. So whether or not someone's cursing, if someone's speaking in a harassing way to other passengers or drivers, which may or may not include cursing, that would be grounds for a warning and then a suspension. And then the fourth bullet is inappropriate or distracting conversation with the driver. So I think we could imagine that scenario as well, you know, with or without obscenities if someone is, um, you know, engaging the, the driver too frequently or too loudly or, you know, with or without obscenities, that would be, you know, and Im impeding the service we're trying to provide in both those cases. So after, you know, thinking about what you all shared and then looking back at the form, our uh, recommendation would be just be to get rid of the bullet related to profanity and obscenities to um, kind of remove that First Amendment concern and lean back on the two bullets that we think um, really address the service we're trying to provide and, and how people might be speaking to other passengers or to drivers. And that is the uh, set of changes we made. Um, happy to talk through any of those or go back to any of the earlier changes. Yeah, so uh, PTAC members, uh, does anyone have any comments, questions, concerns about this policy as it's been amended now? 
Okay, that's a big low nothing. That sounds like a good thing. Um, Adam, I, I would guess that you've res, uh, responded to our concerns pretty adequately from that sense. Um, I'm with you. Uh, it, it's definitely shaky wires in terms of the First Amendment stuff, especially now like there's bullet two about mentions, including threatening or harassing behavior to other passengers and or drivers. And there is a recent Supreme Court case about what actually constitutes threatening language. But um, I think that the that kind of stuff covers what we are concerned about in terms of can the buses still operate and can people who are riding the buses do so in a uh, safe and equitable fashion. Yeah, and I, I don't want there to be any illusions that we're, we're about to start warning and suspending a huge group of people. I mean, I do think we we deal with this with a relatively small group of folks pretty regularly and then maybe one off every now and again. We just don't have a great formal framework to walk through this and do it equitably. So um, uh, I guess I would also share with this group that next steps from here is uh, we'll need to do some coordination with our service provider team, make sure that staff, the admin staff, and the drivers are comfortable with what it means to go through this process. Um, so, you know, this, is, this isn't something where we'll be handing out a bunch of slips of paper tomorrow. We'll probably uh, need to do some additional internal work um, so that we're prepared for, you know, a, a new process for a lot of folks. Will the city commission have to approve this policy before it can formally go into effect? They won't. Uh, this is an operational policy, so this is not something that heads up to the commission. Okay. Um, Al Ackland, PTAC member. I had a question about the smoking bullet. Um, no smoking on the bus or in the facilities. That'd be on the facilities also, now that there's a, we have property. Yes, that one, you know. Yes would be my simple answer. Uh, it remains complicated because the actual land remains uh, University of Endowment land, uh, University of Kansas Endowment land. So KU has a no smoking on their property rule. So we're going to, you know, we'll, we will do our best to enforce that. And I think it works uh, as I've been talking with um, other uh, operational staff, they they say around the union and different things, uh, it, it's adhered to pretty well. So I think that's what we hope to see. It'll probably take some management. But Margaret, do you have anything to add? I was going to add that that's actually a state of Kansas law for state property, not just a KU policy. And I think that for diehard smokers, it was a hard transition, but people are pretty used to it at this point. So we're trying to uh, evacuate places we would guide people rather, you know, sometimes it's easier to say you can't do it here, but you can do it over there um, rather than just say no, uh, that it's a little tricky on that site, you know, people really do, they would have to go all the way out to the, the public sidewalk. Um, so it's not, there's not necessarily like a convenient near your bus sort of place or near the building sort of place that's acceptable. You kind of, you have to go pretty far away to to so box. what's the halo around like just regular bus stops then does that do those count as facilities like if you're say inside a shelter or on a bench or standing right next to a uh, 
pedestal that says this is a bus stop for something that's otherwise unimproved, would those count as facilities for this? They do. We, identi we identify bus stops as facilities. Um, I don't know that we we haven't got as specific as a a certain radius or or diameter or anything like that. I think we, you know, with with 400 bus stops, our ability to oversee that is going to be a complaint. Limited best. And so I suppose I would hope if there's regular occurrences at a specific bus stop that we're getting complaints about, we'd be able to address that with the person. But I I mm -hmm. don't know that we'll even have the capacity to do it on a, you know, yeah. one-off complaint about somebody smoking is probably just going to have to be let go. Okay. Uh, good comment and question, Alan. Um, anybody else from PTAC have anything they want to ask about regarding this draft policy? Okay. Um, let's go ahead and move on then. So next item on the agenda, that was the, our only regular agenda item. So next is if there's any uh, items that PTAC members want to discuss on their own today or to add to the agenda for future meetings or work sessions. As always, if you don't want to bring it up uh, during a meeting, you can email Adam, Lance, and myself with uh, uh, topics of interest to you, and we will definitely take that under advisement when we craft the agenda for future meetings. So do, does any member of PTAC have anything that they want to talk about that isn't otherwise covered in an agenda item today? Okay, that sounds like a big bull nothing. So let's go ahead and continue on to transit staff items. Adam, I believe you have a couple of things you want to talk about with us, or at least advise us about. Yeah, I do. So uh, Central Station update is a deceptively short bullet for uh, what I have to share about that item. But you may have seen our, our press release with some challenges um, with keeping on timeline with construction. We needed to move the opening of that facility back until after the new year. We were pushing hard for this fall, um, and it just wasn't wasn't going to happen. So, um, the current timeline for that, the there should be some paving going in in the next couple of weeks that will make it look all of a sudden like it's very close um, out there on site. Uh, the reality is, the site itself we're probably looking at um, around mid September when all the outdoor stuff should start looking pretty complete. The building itself and everything inside there is more like mid-November. Um, so probably between, you know, early, right before the holidays or between the two major holidays is probably when the building itself will get in place. So that has, uh, that has impacts on a number of different ancillary projects. I hesitate to even call them ancillary projects because they're their own big things, but uh, the obvious one would be route redesign that is dependent on that facility to be available for bus transfers. So um, on the city side, routes will remain as they are today until uh, the end of the year. And then we'll uh, transition to the new route structure when Central Station opens. 
um, after the new year. That's that's how we're going to have to approach that piece of it. Uh, Lance asked in the lead up to this meeting about ride guides. So we're working with uh, the university on a, a limited run of uh, reprint, if you will, of ride guides. There are some uh, uh, relatively minor changes to KU routes, just schedules, I think, for the most part, um, in August. So there, uh, we will do a, a reprint that'll get us through the end of the year. Um, but the the large deployment of ride guides will happen uh, leading up to the new year. So, Margaret, do you want to say anything else about that piece? Well, I was just going to say I have the proof on my desk today, and um, we're just key routes are going to be adjusted to end 30 minutes earlier. So we made adjustments to which timing we were using for the evening hours so that we would get right up to 10 o'clock and we're going to be starting safe ride 30 minutes earlier so that uh, we'll still have no break in service. We just have minimal ridership on buses after 10 o'clock. And so we're going to move those hours to safe ride. So that's really where we're at. Um, I'm not sure what the time will be for us getting these, but we've made some notes on it, little yellow things so that it's got the same cover and that it's just being extended through the fall and um, updating a service calendar to just cover through December. So that's what our plan is. Thank you for that. Um, so a couple of other things. Uh, when it comes to microtransit service, we have made it through the procurement process of that. So we have um, a consent agenda item back on June 20th. We selected Spare, uh, Spare Labs as our vendor to provide microtransit service. So uh, the university already uses Spare for safe ride. Um, the city will begin using Spare uh, in a new way for Sunday service, but also it will provide uh, better technology for Nightline so that people can request trips via an app on demand rather than having to call ahead during business hours. So some nuance of that is uh, I would imagine in maybe 60 to 90 days, we'll have the availability to roll out that technology. We will be able to implement that overnight for what's currently Nightline. Um, you know, that doesn't add cost to the system, uh, but we can't roll out Sunday service until the routes change. The hours we're using for Sunday service come from uh, lower demand times on existing fixed routes. So that's one piece of the puzzle that also just gets delayed because of the central station uh, delay in opening. Um, so that's something we'll we'll communicate about it. It will provide the opportunity to roll out spare uh, you know, with an existing service and get our feet under us for, for that new technology uh, instead of everything at once. So there's some silver lining to that, but I know the public's eager for some Sunday availability. And unfortunately, um, you know, we're, we're just going to have to move that as well um, to line up with, with our resources that are available. Um, we continue to move forward on uh, real-time information, uh, what's called GTFS real-time. It's a feed that allows uh, people on apps to see buses real-time. 
Uh, it will provide information to our uh, next arrival and departure bus signage at Central Station. Um, so that project will continue to move through and probably sometime this late fall, early winter, um, we, we should get to the availability of um, having a trip planning app that does have real-time information in it, which is different than our current setup uh, with, with double map. So we're, we're trying to look ahead at this fall as, you know, pushing forward as many new resources as we can that aren't directly tied to Central Station, um, but knowing that some of them just are directly tied to Central Station. So um, that's where we're at on a, on a few of those things. Uh, before I talk about the next bullet item, anything I forgot or other gaps that you have questions about related to Central Station? Okay. Well, um, please, as you think of them, email us. Um, we'll we'll try to keep keep you all in the community updated, keep putting out our uh, project updates on our social media with photos and what some of the next steps are. Um, like I said, you should see some pretty significant paving. Um, I don't think they'll get to it this week, but I think next week there'll be a lot of that area getting paved out there. So i um, excited to see that, that milestone. Um, did think of one question um, that you probably don't have a detailed answer to now. That's absolutely fine. Um, what is this delay doing in terms of budgetary impact? So I don't know that I could quickly think of a negative budgetary impact. We'll certainly pick up some new operational costs once the facility opens, you know, janitorial and new electricity and, and different things that we don't have today. Um, but I don't know that I could identify you know, the, the service, like I mentioned with Sunday being kind of a swap of hours, we don't add or remove service hours. So uh, I think so I, I was thinking more of like the project itself, like the construction, yeah. are we on, are we on budget with uh, what we're doing right now? Or is adding the extra months of time that we're going to be uh, working on the station going to change that perspective or picture? It'll likely add some, you know, we've been, we've, we've already had some small change orders come through. It's, it's been within what's called mm -hmm. contingency. So we've, any project has some additional percentage uh, built into the budget that would allow for unexpected things. So, you know, we've, we've had to face some of those things that we just didn't expect certain costs and have had to add them in, whether it be materials or additional time working on different pieces of the project. So I do expect we'll see some more of that because we'll have contractors out there uh, longer than they expected to be out there. Um, but I have not uh, gotten the alarm bells from the, from the project team yet that that will be, uh, you know, an outside of the budget sort of um, change order. So we'll, we'll see more specifics come through when we get closer to that point. They, they, you know, timeline wise, they are, um, we have the the majority of the contracting team on site through the end of September because that's when we expected the building to be wrapped up. So, you know, the the additional timeline added to the site, for example, doesn't add to our general contracting costs because they were going to be there anyways, working on the building. Um, 
but it may add some subcontractor costs to those folks who are out there. So, uh, good question. You'll, you know, I'll keep this group updated, of course, but some of those small change orders just come through city commission consent. Yeah. I mean, like $10,000 or something is something you need to do a change order for, but in the grand scheme of things, when we're already spending about $10 million on it, it's a drop in the bucket. So I'm glad that we're still within what the contingency planning budget was for it, at least. Yeah. Good question though. All right. I will do a little bit of screen sharing on this next item. Just wanted to highlight a couple of amenity related things. Uh, so I know everyone is is quite in love with what's going on on 23rd Street right now. I'm sure you'll be more in love with it when it's done. But uh, as part of that work, we are integrating um, shelters and bus, bus stops all throughout that corridor. And uh, you may have seen this picture online, but we have... Um, our newer shelters do have integrated solar lighting, so uh, these aren't hardwired. They've got solar panels on top of them that aren't viewable in this photo, but this is a good um, photo of the cutout that we have at 23rd and Harper. Uh, but every shelter along this stretch uh, that's the newer style of shelter will have integrated solar lighting. So, um, you know, we'll keep adapting and, and trying to be responsive to what people want for comfort at their bus stops, but I do think uh, integrated solar is a pretty common feature across bus shelters. And uh, I would expect we'll, we'll keep integrating that particular feature as we move forward. But if you haven't seen that out um, at night before, then uh, go check that out um, on 23rd Street. The other item I wanted to mention is we have uh, just completed recently a number of new shelters that have indigenous artwork applied via um, vinyl wraps of glass glass bus shelters, which we're very excited and, and proud about. Um, there's a news release that went out, and this story is on our website. Uh, there is a link, uh, all the artist names. There's a link to a, a deeper dive where each artist has a statement about their piece of artwork. We will be doing a ribbon cutting um, at one of these sites on Haskell's campus this upcoming Sunday. And so I put in our agenda the save the date for the Sunday from one to three, um, but there will be a formal um, release coming out, I believe this Thursday for community wide to invite anybody who uh, wants to join to come over. Um, I think we'll be saying a few words and having some, uh, some light refreshments at uh, sacred ground on right next to Haskell's campus is a um, a building, a kind of a event space in Lutheran Ministries building that they use over there. And then it's a short walk over to uh, one of the shelters that um, we'll be proud to show off and take some photos and do a ribbon cutting. So PTEC members certainly invited, and I think we'll have a pretty good crowd. It should be a, a, a fun experience. This has been, um, I haven't been as directly involved in this project. Felice has mostly been the lead on this work, but I know it's been um, real exciting and satisfying for all these artists and and fun to see uh, uh, things go out all over town. I think with transit, we're, we have a unique opportunity with 400 bus stops to impart things like artwork uh, kind of throughout neighborhoods. Uh, you know, we've got little pockets of capital property all over the place, and um, that can facilitate something pretty uh, fun and interesting like this. So take a look through um, through these. And, and if you see them around town, stop and take a closer look because they're all very 
very amazing pieces of art. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Adam. It's really cool. Um, do you know which bus stop they're going to use for the actual ribbon cutting? I'm guessing number 63 was my oh, guess, at least. Yeah, it's either 63 or 62. It's one, right? Yeah, I can't remember which one. Oh, they're on. really close to each other. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but one of those two is the one with the shelter. It's the one um, kind of on the arch side of the road, if you will, the Haskell Arch. Um, yeah, it should be a nice, nice space to look at. Good. Okay. Anyone have any comments, questions, concerns about that? I hope no concerns. Um, okay. Uh, well, that is everything that we have on our agenda for today. The uh, next scheduled meeting for uh, PTAC will be uh, August 14th. That's the second Monday of August. Um, I don't know why it wasn't in the uh, agenda for today, but August 14th is the next second Monday, which we will be meeting at. Uh, same uh, plan time as always. Uh, until then, um, hope you have a great rest of your day and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye.